0: We're Missy Phoenix, a community of God's people, learning to live in God's ways for the sake of our city. Let's do this today. I know we don't do this every time, but if you are able to, out of reverence for God's word, let's stand together as I read. We'll read the entire chapter, but don't worry, it's only 10 Verses. Isaiah 35. The wilderness and dry land will be glad. The desert will rejoice and blossom like a wild flower. It will blossom abundantly and will also rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the weak hands, steady the shaking knees, say to the cowardly, be strong, do not fear. Here is your God. Vengeance is coming. God's retribution is coming. He will save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the death unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute will sing for joy. For water will gush in the wilderness and streams in the desert the parched ground will become a pool and the thirsty land springs and the haunt of jackals and their lairs there will be grass reeds and papyrus a road will be there and a way it will be called the holy way the unclean will not travel on it but it will be for the one who walks the path fools will not wander on it there will be no lion there and no vicious beast will go up on it they will not be found there but the redeemed will walk on it. And the redeemed of the Lord will return and come to Zion with singing, crowned with unending joy. Joy and gladness will overtake them and sorrow and sighing will flee. This is God's word. Father, we ask that you would help us to find great joy in your word this morning. Fill us with the joy of your spirit as we go. God, help us to fix our eyes on the source of joy we have that Jesus, your son, has come to make all things right. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. You can go ahead and have a seat. A few years back, we were sitting at Cortez Park in the grass celebrating a one-year-old's birthday party. Uh, for a refugee family that we had been walking through a lot of life with together. And suddenly dawned on me who this kid was. Suddenly it just clicked with me who this child, this baby, this little one-year-old was. I don't know why it hadn't clicked sooner, but for some reason, while we're in the midst of the party, I remembered the backstory behind this little boy. That over a year before that, his mom, who already had six children, came here as a refugee family through a lot of hardship and turmoil. Husband had not been working. She was the only one providing for the family, was pregnant with her seventh child and was not sure if she was going to keep it. And though they didn't speak much English, our missional community, RMC, came around and cared for them. And through Google Translate, and lots of awkward silences uh, would communicate with them. And the ladies in our MC, in our Missile community, specifically Amy and Bethany uh, and a few other ladies, they, they would walk through some of that with her and they went to doctor's appointments with her. And they helped translate what was going on through ultrasounds. Now, now listen, uh, understandably so for a woman who doesn't know Jesus and who is going through, this is my seventh child in a strange land and I don't know how we're going to care for it. Her understanding maybe of how do I value life in this moment is to say not to bring this child into this situation, but we would share with her, hey, we would find somebody who would help care for this child. And as our ladies and our MC started walking through this with her and she realized not only are they walking through this moment with me, but now there's a community of people who I can call on for help at any moment that I need that they would continue walking with me she decided, I want my child. And so here we were a year after he was born, still doing life with them and celebrating this life at, her, at his first birthday at the park. And I got to tell you in that moment when it clicked with me and I remembered the whole backstory, I was filled with overwhelming joy because where there could have been lack of life, where there could have been death, we were celebrating life together. Where where there could have been loneliness and despair and wondering how she was going to provide for her child, we were celebrating that she had a community of people through the love of Jesus were surrounding and loving her. It brought so much joy because of the previous experience that could have potentially brought sorrow and pain, and suffering. We saw life overcame and won in that instance. We get to celebrate. And and those of you who have had children, maybe you can relate to the reality of joy and sorrow intermingled, right? Like going through childbearing, I've heard, I've read somewhere on the internet, is not the most pleasant experience for ladies, right? It's difficult, it's painful. There's a lot of uncomfortableness through the whole process, but then especially when it comes time to deliver. And yet I know that some of the most joyful days of mine and Bethany's life has been when our sons were born into this world because life is breaking through pain and through suffering and through hardship. And and I remember with our first two sons who were born 10 weeks early, two and a half months early, and we were told while she was pregnant with them, and she had to go on bed rest at the hospital for a couple months, we were told that there was a real risk of them not making it. They were doing steroid injections to make sure that they could breathe properly when they were finally born. Jonas was born with a, a brain bleed when he first came. They had to like, physically pump oxygen into them when they first came out of the womb, and it was kind of scary, and yet throughout that whole process of living in the hospital for a couple months, we were filled with this overwhelming peace. Not a peace that we knew everything was going to be all right with our boys. But we didn't have a guarantee of that. But because the person of peace, the prince of peace himself, Jesus was present with us. We knew that this Jesus would one day make all things right. Right. And that even if we had to suffer through the loss of our babies in that moment, that ultimately life would break through and win out. And so we held on to that peace as we held on to Jesus. But let me tell you, when they were born and they were healthy, that, that became joy. It became rejoicing. It became celebration. Life had broken through. When we had Liam, same story, celebration, life. Not through as much pain. The pain with him came later, but <laughs> celebration of life. And he does, he brings so much joy into our house. After the, the twins were born and, you know, being in the hospital on bed rest for a couple months and losing your job that was fueled by a grant and the grant ran out, uh, that tends to lend toward some financial Struggles, right? And so we moved into an apartment, and we were trying to pay off debts. And I remember there was one year in particular where our family made seventeen thousand dollars that year. That's what uh, we wrote down on our taxes, and good old Uncle Sam saw and said, "Oh, you know what? (laughs) Take some of this back." Like we, when the IRS feels bad for you and gives you some money back, you know there's something going on, right? And so uh, that we saw that, and we're like, "What in the world is going on?" And yet that year we were able to give away a car to a family that needed it. We had a like taco dinner at our apartment pool and we like fed our entire church family. And this is not bragging on us. Like, where did that come from? It was the provision of the Lord. And I remember there was one day I came home from a work trip and I was so tired. And I came home and Bethany had our two little boys. We didn't have Liam yet. And she had planned this like little dance party, welcome home dad thing. And I was so tired, but I just remember my heart being so full. And I would and I dance around with the little boys and I fell down on the floor and I was just so content and overwhelmed with joy, even in the midst of what are we going to do <laughs> for paying our bills, right? Even in the midst of like, man, we still have these medical bills and we're living in an apartment and we have another kid on the way. In the midst of that, intermingled with the struggles of life, there still can be joy found because life is breaking through. We've been trying to define each of our words as we move through this Advent theme. If you remember, we said that peace is not just calm and inner tranquility and quiet, right? But it's this word shalom, this Hebrew word shalom, which means all things will be made right. And we said that hope is not just wishful thinking. Like, man, I really hope that I win the lottery, right? But we said hope that we talk about, biblical hope, is a confident assurance of all things being made right. You see how they're connected? And we can have that confident assurance in what God will do because of what God has already done through Jesus. And now joy, joy is really what we experience when the fullness of that comes, but it also can be experienced a little bit here and now. And so our definition for joy is that joy is not fleeting happiness. It's not something that just comes and goes in the moment, right? Joy is not fleeting happiness, but it's a steady source of satisfaction. It's rooted in our eternal outcome, not in our temporary circumstances. I want you to just think for a moment about the things that bring you joy in life. And it could be big, it could be small. Like you could be like the McRib. At McDonald's, brings me joy. Weird, gross, I disagree, but it, you know, you do you. If it brings you joy, that's fine. Think, think about whatever things bring you joy right now. It could be sitting around the table with family and friends and community. Right? It, it could be uh, thinking about what God has done for you through Jesus. It could be singing together with other brothers and sisters. It could be standing at the beach feeling the sand in your toes and listening to the waves. What what are the things that bring you joy in life? Now, what happens when all those things are taken away from you? What happens if you wake up tomorrow and you have no access to those things? And listen, even the really good things, like I said, standing with a bunch of brothers and sisters and singing to the Lord, what happens when you're in a situation like many other parts of the church are throughout the world where you can no longer gather with the saints, with other believers freely and sing? Is all your joy stolen? Is, is it all taken away? Is it smashed to pieces? Is it unattainable and unreachable? Or is it possible that you can still experience a glimpse of joy even with the sorrow in that moment because you know that one day the fullness of joy will be attained that that even if we did lose our sons through that pregnancy that we knew that the God who was knitting them together in the womb would allow us to see them again one day that you can hold on to I know that one day the fullness of joy is coming In Isaiah 35, what we just read, we hear a lot of poetry, really. It's very poetic. It's a lot of imagery used there to talk about things that are hard and harsh in the land, being made full and green and teeming with life. And I really chose it because in verse 2, it says, The glory of Lebanon will be given and that's my heritage. I'm, I'm a Lebanese man. And so I was like, okay, we're going to... Re- no, that's not really why. Uh, but in Lebanon at that time, it was known for these huge cedars, these gigantic trees. Like if you think about maybe in our context, the redwood forest, when you go to California, it would be something similar to that. These giant trees. I remember one time we took a trip and one of them had a tunnel through it and you could drive through the tree. That's how big it was, right? Uh, but Lebanon was known for these giant cedars. And it... It was called the glory of Lebanon because it was so big and just like renowned. People were in awe by it. And so it uses imagery like that to say, hey, we will experience where we live in our land, Israel, the glory of God and and the land that we're in teeming with life one day. And the reason this is important, the reason that Isaiah is writing this at this time is because this was a time when Israel was about to be taken into captivity, into Babylon. And so they're about to lose their land. They're about to lose their nation. They're about to lose their home. They're about to lose all the comforts of life that they know at that time and enter into a season of suffering, enter into a season of not having what they're used to having, enter into a season of not having the freedoms to worship that they once knew. Enter into a season of being separated from family members and loved ones and friends. And in the midst of that, Isaiah writes, hey, joy in its fullness will come. There will be a day after this. What what you're about to experience is not the end of the story. Maybe for some of us here, we need to hear what you're currently experiencing. It is not the end of your story. We have stuff going on in life, don't we? That's less than ideal, to put it mildly. Each and every single one of us in here. And maybe varying degrees, right? But every single one of us has something going on in our life that we're praying and begging God would change. And just like Israel needed to hear then, hey, what you're about to experience going into captivity is not the end of your story. Joy in its fullness is coming one day. We too need to hear that, don't we? That whatever is going on right now, whatever you are crying out to God over in your suffering, that is not the end of your story. Joy in its fullness can be given to you one day and it's found in Jesus. This is why in Luke 2, uh, verse 10, it says this, when the angels, the messengers of God come and they're speaking to people and and giving them this introduction. And hey, Jesus is coming. This is what they say in Luke 2, verse 10. The angel said to them, don't be afraid for look, I proclaim to you good news of what? Great joy. That will be for who? All the people. Today in the city of David, a savior was born for you. Who is the Messiah? The Lord. This was the one they were waiting for the promised rescuer from God who would come and make all things right, bring the fullness of peace, the one they were hoping for. And he's saying, good news of great joy that's happening now. And in Isaiah 35, this was good news to the people of Israel that, hey, listen, God will come and rescue you one day. But now when Jesus comes, the fullness of joy is saying, this is now opened up for all people. Good news of great joy for all the people the Savior that you've been hoping for to come and make all things right and bring peace, he's come now. And then there's this this disconnect because now we live thousands of years after that moment, after that proclamation, and we still find sorrow and suffering intermingled into our joy, don't we? We've heard a message, good news of great joy. And yet, some of our felt realities, what we experience, don't match up. But what I want us to hear is that not only is there, hey, good news, Israel in Isaiah 35, good news, shepherds and everybody hearing in, in Luke 2, good news that one day joy will be full. But what they're saying in that message is good news right now. You can experience Great joy right now, because you know that God is at work in his world and he is moving forward in his plan and the story is not yet over. Good news, Missio, of great joy. This is for all the people across the whole world and it extends to Phoenix, to us today. Good news of great joy. A savior has come. The prince of peace has come. And he is bringing wholeness to this world. The, the one that we've hoped for to come and make all things right. And if you haven't had a hope for that, like you haven't thought about a Messiah, like that, what is that word to you, right? The thing you've hoped for, the thing you've been hoping for, like to feel known, to be loved, to have good, strong relationships that aren't broken and marred by selfishness, and pride, and anger, to to not feel anxiety in everything you do, uh, to, to be free from those feelings of depression, those things you've been hoping for, good news of great joy, it has come in Jesus. And you can actually experience a glimpse of what will be made full one day, here and now, through Jesus, this person of joy. I want to share another thing, another old prophet from back in the Old Testament, uh, similar to Isaiah once said, because it astounds me, honestly. It blows me away that in Zephaniah 3, verse 17, the prophet Zephaniah said this, that the Lord your God is among you, a warrior who saves. Do you know that word Messiah? We just said, what does that word even mean? It means a warrior king who comes to rescue the Lord, your God is among you, a warrior who saves. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will be quiet in his love. Now, another translation of that is actually that he quiets you in his love, but neither here nor there. That's not the point. He will delight in you with singing. Listen to that. We're, I, this like could be a message of like, hey, guys, let's learn how to have more joy. Let's try to rejoice more. But just catch this. The God who is with you rejoices over you. He sings with delight and joy over you. He finds joy in you. You have been made in his image, fashioned and formed in the womb by him. He designed you and he desires to be with you. He finds joy in you. He sings over you. That's our source of joy. We don't try to muster it up and we don't try to ignore the things that are wrong in life and then just put on a fake smile and say, oh, I'm fine. Everything's fine. How are you doing? I'm blessed. No, no, no. The way we find joy is by looking to the one who delights in us, who rejoices over us, who sings over us. Now that was true back in the days of Zephaniah and Isaiah and the days of Israel going into captivity in Babylon and the days of Israel being a great nation with a strong king and the days of Israel being scattered all over the world. And it's true today as well. Because listen, that same God who is among you has come down to rescue you, the mighty warrior who saves, who delights over you. He had the fullness of joy set before him. He delights over you, but his joy had not yet been made full because there was something that needed to be done. And Hebrews 12, 2 tells us this. Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. Since we have such a large cloud of witnesses, what this is is just in chapter 11, it's going through a history of people in the Old Testament, who showed faith, trusting in God, even when it was hard to trust. And they're saying, listen, we have a bunch of people who are showing us what it looks like to have faith. Since we have those witnesses surrounding us, the author of Hebrews says this, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Pause there for a second. Leave that verse on the screen, please, Patrick. Here's a a snare that can entangle us when we're talking about joy. When you're feeling empty, when you're feeling anxious, when you're feeling depressed, when you're feeling burdened, and you go to the quick fix, you go to the thing that's going to make you feel good in the moment. You go to the thing that's going to make you feel happy in the moment, temporarily. You go to the thing that's going to numb what you're feeling in the moment. You go to the thing that's going to make you forget about what you're feeling in the moment. That's a sin that can easily ensnare us and entangle us and get caught up in, Right? When, when there's something that makes you feel good right now, it gives you this high and then you crash later and you realize you're stuck in it. I had a brother who was on meth and heroin at 11 years old and he told me later, he's like, Chris, it was like I was watching myself do all these things and I couldn't control it. I had no control anymore over my own actions because it had entangled him. It was a snare. It was a trap. And you see, he, he had a lot of stuff going on in his childhood. And he was trying to feel good. He was trying to get away from that. He was trying to find joy. But what he found instead was temporary happiness that led him into a pit of despair. So let's lay that aside. When you're feeling that anxiousness, that unrest in your soul, and you go, well, maybe if I just go to this thing, you know it's not gonna satisfy you. It never has. Lay that aside. Let us instead, going back to Hebrews, let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross. Do you know Peter came to him and was like, hey, Jesus, you don't gotta do this. Like, let's not go to Jerusalem where you're saying you're gonna die. And he says, get behind me, Satan. It's like super Blunt, straightforward, sounds like the harshest thing you could say to somebody. Get behind me Sending. What he's saying is you're tempting me to go into the easy thing right now. I'm going to lay that aside. Because there's a greater joy that's set before Jesus in this story. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now listen, let me ask you this. What was the joy set before Jesus? What would make it worth going to the cross? He knew he was going to get beaten. He knew he was going to get spit on. He knew he was going to get mocked. He knew he was going to get nailed to a splintery beam of wood. And he was going to get left there to hang until he died. But he knew that there was joy on the other side. What was that joy, do you think? Well, it says he got sat down at the right hand at the throne of God, right? But hold on a second. Hebrews also, if we read through the whole book, it reminds us who this Jesus is. He's, he's the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. He's the one who was there at the very beginning of all things and made all things. All things exist by him and through him. And without him, there is no life. Jesus was already there at the throne of God from the very beginning of time. He left that for the joy set before him. He left it temporarily entering into despair and suffering and brokenness and pain so that he can go and bring the fullness of joy into the kingdom so that he can make all things right between you and the father, between you and your loved ones, between us, humanity, and the created world. Jesus could have stayed in his throne but the joy that he had set before him, the fullness of joy was making all things right with the humans that God created, with the ones that were made in his image, the people that he loves, bringing us back into the full presence of God, where one day we will experience the fullness of joy right there with him as he rejoices over us and we rejoice over him. As we sit down at a table and we feast together, as we live life with the God who created us. That's the joy we hold on to and the hope that we have that one day it will be made full. But even now, even now, why things aren't fully made right, Jesus is still at work preparing a place that he's going to bring us into. Jesus is still at work bringing restoration to the world. But even now, we have that Jesus, his presence with us because he gave his spirit to the church. The spirit of God is present with us, filling us with the joy that is offered and will one day be made full when Jesus returns. We can actually experience a preview, a glimpse, even in the wilderness here and now, as Isaiah says, because the spirit of God who spoke and life broke through into this creation is here now. And listen, he's still ministering and speaking to us that life can break through in your own soul. Life can break through in your own heart, even in the midst of darkness. Because God is Emmanuel with us. That's what that word means. Jesus is God come to be with us. The mighty warrior who saves, as Zephaniah said, is with you. And he's rejoicing over you. May we rejoice in that this season, right? There's so many other things trying to get our attention and trying to fill us with temporary happiness in this season, but we can experience true joy, not based in temporary circumstances, but in our eternal outcome as we fix our eyes on Jesus.